Savannah State's women's basketball team is looking to make history. Is the MIAC about to expand? And the CIAA is bringing back their basketball tournament in style. Oh yeah, it's Locked On HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked On HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU Podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And of course, I am Darian Gray, the mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor. What's going on, my good people? Thank you for making Locked On HBCU your first listen of the day. And today's episode is brought to us by NetSuite. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. Head to netsuite.com slash locked for a special end of the year financing for growing your business. And I appreciate you guys, man. I really mean that when I say thank you for making us your first listen of the day. I mean that from the heart. I mean, right here in, I think it's the left ventricle. I don't know. As you can tell, I'm doing a podcast. So I was more of an English guy. I was more worried about speaking. And y'all know I be throwing my math in here. Science was not my specialty, but I'm pretty sure the heart somewhere within the ventricle. If it isn't, let me know. So I won't say it again, but tomorrow's episode, I'm going to come back with concrete facts of where the heart is located. But I'm talking about Savannah State's women's basketball team to open up today's episode. And last time that we spoke about this squad, we were talking about how the, their Lady Tigers were undefeated. They were at 9-0, an undefeated 9-0 team who was on fire, taking the, the league by storm or even surprise. And in the time since then, some things have changed. Some things haven't. They're still undefeated. That that hasn't changed. The record has upgraded from 9-0 to 11-0. And they're looking at their best start in 20 years with that happening. And that's really the basis of this conversation. But I just want to give a little bit of context and lead up, right? So they're now 11-0, looking to go to 12-0. They're very much so on fire, taking the, the conference by storm. I don't know if it's so much surprise. I, I would hope not because... That would be a, a complete lack of awareness. There's no, they're no longer this ten and seven team that they were last time we saw them. Because last time we saw them, they were up and down. They were nearly five hundred in the conference. Now they're coming out in their seven and zero in conference. Seven of those eleven victories have been within the SEAC. So that's important to note. They've avenged losses to Miles College, to Lane College. So I don't think that anybody should really sit there and say, "Oh yeah." Same old Savannah State that we've had in, in, in this conference for a couple of years now. That would be completely unfair. No, wouldn't even be unfair. That would be a complete lack of awareness. That's what it truly would be if we're going to be accurate with our words, right? Not just throwing them out there. That would be a lack of awareness by the other teams within the conference. This is a team that's ranked 26th. I'm pretty sure that's how it goes because they are only, they, are, they have the most votes to be in the top 25 of teams that aren't in the top 25. So they're right there at 26. They aren't ranked, but if you look at the website, they'll tell you that that's where they are. So I really enjoy this this team because we kind of watched them and we kind of paid attention. That's the reason I'm even talking about this. The reason I was making sure that I kept an eye on them is because I wanted to see if they were able to get to that 12 and 0. Because their best start in, in school history, women's basketball, is 11 and 0, and that was in 93-94. That was over 20 years ago. 
nearly 30 years ago at this point, right? So you're looking at a, a team who's looking to make history. Uh, you best believe that if you're looking at it, I'm looking at it, and they're going up against a school tonight. Tonight they're going to go against Spring Hill University. And this is a game that was originally scheduled for last Monday, but it's happening now because COVID. And I wish that some of these schools took their COVID protocols a little bit more serious. Do not postpone. If you say you're not going to postpone, don't postpone. You know, you look at the SWAT. Never mind. Not going to get into it. We're not going to do that today. But we will get into just a tale of the tape, right? I'm a, I'm a combat sports guy, right? So there ain't no locked on M MMA, but this is locked on HBCU. But you, you'll catch me make those kind of analogies and those like connectors between the two sports because I love this, right? So let's do a tale of the tape, sizing up each of these schools going into the matchup. And we're going to start off with the Let's start off with the challengers, because that's what they always do, right? The champion gets announced last, and though Savannah State isn't the champion, they are the highlight of our con our, uh, our conversation. So let's start off with Spring Hill. Spring Hill is currently sitting at 3-9, and 1-3 and three in the SEAC, so they're 1-3 in the conference. But they aren't getting beat terribly. Like, their worst loss was against Benedict College, and that was only 15 points. They've had some relatively close games, 15 points, 10 points, and they actually beat Fort Valley State in overtime. So they've been in these games for the most part. Then you go to the South, uh, excuse me, Savannah State side. They're 11-0, 7-0 in the SEAC. We just really spoke on where they are and where they've been, but they've been taking on all challenges, knocking them all down, right? They're trying to clear out the weight division. I spoke about that earlier. And now I want to get into the best scorers, on that team both teams and when you're looking at the spring hill side of things you're looking at tiasha bostic because bostic has really been balling and she's averaging 18.8 points per game and she is driving this offense forward has doubled the amount of shots as the next closest player only player with more than 53s and she actually shoots the three really well she's knocking down 34 percent of them so she's really knocking down a heavy clip and she does a lot of other things around the court but in this category, we just talking about scoring. So we're not talking about what, what else you do to facilitate offense. She's a really good shooter. You see that from her three-point percentage. She's putting up points, and she's the leading scorer on that team by far. She's the only person over 10 points per game. Then let's look at Savannah State, and that's Leandra Gillis. She's averaging 15.9, and she's really kicked it into gear when you go into conference play because she's taking that now 15.9 average but if you just isolate the conference play she's looking at 18.2 now moving into the best defenders category and i wanted to make sure we get some different people here and i had to go with tequisha lampkin if we're talking about savannah state i'm just going to alternate right so now with the best defender she leads the team in steals and she leads the team in blocks so she has 27 steals, 11 blocks. She's 100% the best defender on that team. You see the impact she's making. She's taking the ball away. She's swatting down shots. She doesn't put up a lot of shots. She just defends, and that's what she does really well. For Spring Hill, you have Paige Taylor, who has eight blocks on the year. And Bostic leads the team in steals, but we're going to specifically go with Paige Taylor so we can have somebody different. She has nearly a block a game. And I want to look at the strengths and weaknesses of each team as we wrap up this particular topic when you look at the strength of spring hill it's their paint defense taylor has eight blocks a game but then you have matilda nichols she chips in with seven so you have two players who are kind of close to having a block a game and they're strong in the in the paint 
And then when you look at Savannah State, they, nobody wants to go against that defense, period. Defense, defense, defense. That is the strength of this team. It's like when your teacher put a tome or a, you know, that's a scholarly book. That's one of the words where I feel like I had to define that because even I was like, a tome? I ain't never heard of that one. But that's the word of the day. And it's like when a tome, the teacher puts a tome in front of you and says, we're going to discuss that next class period. I don't want to do this. Nobody wants to go against this suffocating defense, allowing less than 58 points per game, forcing 25 turnovers a game and 13 steals. This is a suffocating defense. And this is what they pride themselves on because that really gets everything going because they're really good in all the facets that's come from this defense, from these forcing turnovers and steals and the fast break points. That's what they do really well. Now, weakness of theirs, being Savannah State, is rebounding. I'm nitpicking. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. They're really good in everything. So I'm really nitpicking. They just get slightly rebounded. And this is something that you want to be winning, even though it's a small margin they're losing by. It's definitely something, if I had to point to something, that I would say get a little better on that. And then with Spring Hill, they're just too loosey-goosey with the ball. They average 23 turnovers a game, and that's entirely too much. So when I'm looking at the strengths and weaknesses of those teams, that's what I see and something that they're going to have to get together. But I think this is ultimately Savannah State's game to win, and we will see because this game is happening tonight. And if you're lucky enough to watch this game, make sure that you're watching with a built bar in hand because – I know we talk about Built Bar and we talk about the athletic and, you know, the working out and all those benefits of the Built Bar. How many times I got to tell you, though, that's not the only benefit. These things just taste good. Even if you didn't want to work out at all, and you did not care about trying to get physically fit. That's not your New Year's resolution. Does not matter. Built Bars are just delicious. That's why you should eat them. I'm going to strip everything away. They have 17 grams of protein. They don't have a lot of sugar but they're covered in chocolate and they are delicious. That's the focal point of today. Whatever you want to eat them for, eat them for. But understand that they're going to taste good and you should never feel bad about it. Nobody should look at you and say, look at that guy. Look at that girl eating a built Bar. Doesn't she know that that'll, that'll hurt her? Doesn't he know that, that that's just going to add more pounds? No, these things are delicious. They don't have all those negative benefits. So you can just eat them without feeling guilty at all. And one thing that you shouldn't feel guilty about at all is getting the get upside app. You should feel guilty if you haven't got it because this is an app that is phenomenal. It saves you 25 cents off per gallon, every gallon when you go to the pumps. So you got to put some gas in your tank. Just understand that if you use the get upside app and you go to select gas stations, then you are going to be having, you're going to be filling up your tank for 25 cents less per gallon than everybody else that's around you. You can fill up your tank, put in pop it in be like hmm, i bet that guy's paying 290 for his gas right now not me i got the 25 cents off and if you use the promo code score on your first fill up you can get 50 cents off per gallon listen to me it's usually 25 cents per gallon but if you use the promo code score on your first fill up you can get 50 cents off per gallon it's your choice it's your choice but i know me i like to save money so I'm going to go to get the GetUpside app and use the promo code SCORE and get 50 cents off every gallon when I fill up the first time and 25 cents off per gallon after that. All right, families, we keep on rolling on today's episode of Locked On HBCU. I want to discuss the MEAC because this is a conference that I've been talking about needing to expand for a while. 
and we have a report out via HBCU Game Day that they have found a potential school to start the expansion. It's not a one-team thing, but we have found a school that the MEAC might be interested in actually joining the conference. So, obviously, we know that they're looking to expand, and according to HBCU Game Day, like I said, that expansion may just start with Chicago State. And just to be clear, this is not saying that it's a done deal. This isn't even saying that it's what's going to happen or likely. The report does not say that the MEAC is Chicago State's first choice. And the report specifically says the MEAC has not made a decision on whether or not they will offer it to, to Chicago, Chicago State. So I want to be very clear. This means that neither side has landed on anything concrete, but there is mutual interest. And the MEAC, in a way to explore that mutual interest, is deciding to visit the Chicago State campus. Chicago State, just for those who don't know, they're an HBCU that currently plays in the WAC Conference, the Western Athletic Conference, and they're leaving in the spring. We'll see if the MEAC is where they land after their exodus. There's other schools or other conferences looking at this school, such as the Ohio Valley Conference. So it's not just a, we're leaving the WAC, and now let's see what is out there. We want to go see the MEAC. No, it's, we're, gonna, we're a free agent. We're going to see exactly what the world is offering us, and we're going to see who is going to give us just the best opportunity. And right now the MEAC are shooting their shot, essentially, and able to get that. So let's see what it takes for the MEAC to be there or for them to be in the MEAC. Number one for me, when I look at what teams are in the MEAC right now, you have six football programs, you have eight basketball programs. So I think the number one thing you need to do is make sure they have a football program, which Chicago State does not have at this moment. Right now, there is no football program in Chicago State. That is a non-negotiable. You must have that. Now, the reason this is even a conversation is because there is room for them to have one. They don't currently have one, but there have been discussions about it. But I want to talk about why I say it's a non-negotiable right now. And that goes back to the number of teams that you have in the conference. You already have Maryland Eastern Shore. You already have Copen State that plays basketball within your conference, but doesn't have a football team. I don't need another one of those. Matter of fact, I specifically don't need another one of those. I just had FAMU leave. I just had North Carolina A&T leave. I just had Bethune-Cookman leave. Not too long ago, because those just happened this year. All three of those teams are in their first year in their new conferences. Not too long ago, I just had Savannah State leave. So I'm looking at six teams when I used to have 10. And I like the number 10. This is me, Darian Gray, Mouth of the South talking. This isn't a Mouth of Me Act mode, right? I, Mouth of the South, like to have 10 teams. I think it's a pretty solid team, at least a minimum. It's a pretty solid minimum to have for teams in your conference. So I like the idea of having 10 teams, and that's the goal of what I'm trying to get back to. But those 10 teams can't all just play basketball and all those sports. Look, I know, I know football isn't the only sport, but it is the biggest sport. It's the breadwinner, right? So when you're looking at it, I can't have 10 teams that play basketball and only six teams that play football. It does not help my conference equally. It does not help them across the board. Right now, instead of that, I'd rather take a team that has football and isn't bringing their, their basketball team over. That's what I'd much rather have. Chicago State is bringing all of their sports over to the MEAC if they come. Emphasis on if, right? They're bringing all of that. So 
why would I want to build my basketball side when I already have more teams there? I don't want that discrepancy. I don't want that gap to grow larger. I want to try to even it out if I can. But at worst, I want to have them both grow. I want them both to go up. But it's okay. And why is it okay? Because Chicago State can have one. And according to other reports, not in this HBCU Game Day article, having a football program has been a sticking point for multiple conferences, not just the MEAC. I've explained why the MEAC needs to be so strong on it. They should not budge. Other schools, other conferences might be able to budge. The MEAC should not budge. They should not only allow Chicago State to bring in a basketball team. Because now you're going to have nine teams in a basketball conference and only six on the, on the football side. And I don't really care about it being seven. The odd number doesn't really matter because they don't have divisions anyway. Everybody plays everybody. So it's not, it means nothing. That is seven as opposed to six or eight. You don't need to bring in two teams. Like you look at bigger conferences, they bring in two teams so that they can have one on each division. The MEAC doesn't have divisions. Even if not even just bigger conferences. You look at the SWAC. They brought in FAMU and Bethune-Cookman. You had to bring in one on each side or they're on the same side. But ne nevertheless, you have to bring in two to have everything be even. The MEAC doesn't need that. They, they just need to build up their people. I can settle at eight. I can even ride with eight for a little bit. But six, no bueno. Can't do it. And I think here's the thing about Chicago State is that they've shown that they can get it by doing a feasibility test or a study. And that in that feasibility study, they prove that there is room and the ability to pull off having a college football program. And that's important for two reasons. It's important for that team because you can say, hey, I'm Chicago State. I don't have a football team right now, but this is how I would get it. And it's very much so feasible. And then if you're the conference, you don't have to walk in blind faith. They, pre they presented you with this proof of concept. So the faith that you have, it's, it's still faith, but it's not blind faith. You actually know what you're working with and you have this thought that, oh, all right, they'll get a football team, even if it's not in the fall, because I don't know if they can turn it around to get a football team in the fall. That seems a, a tad bit quick, right? Because they're leaving the WAC in the spring, the Western Athletic Conference. They're leaving the WAC in the spring. So in the fall, they will be wherever their new conference is. But I don't think they'll have a football team by that time. But as long as they can show you proof of concept, you can say, okay, I know you will get a football team, even if it's one that's just getting founded. At least you have a team that you're playing against. And it really works out for both parties. You get a new conference if you're Chicago State. If you're the MEAC, you get another team added to a, to a conference that really doesn't have a lot of football teams, frankly. So I think this is really good. You're not walking on so much blind faith. I approve. They need to make sure that they get another team. And the Chicago State is the first team that goes towards the expansion. Then kudos to the MEAC. And as we keep going forward on Locked On HBCU and we're wrapping up today's episode, I want to talk about the CIAA tournament because it's being treated like a special affair. And I want to talk about everything that's going into it. But this is it. The putt to win the tournament. You sink it and the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? <laughs> to see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle, the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. Visibility and control of financials, inventory, HR, planning, budgeting, and more all in one place so you no longer need to go to five different applications to get what you need to get done finished. 93% of survey businesses increase their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. 
over 28,000. You hear me? 28,000 businesses already use NetSuite. And for the new year, NetSuite has a new financing program for those who are ready to upgrade Upgrade at NetSuite.com slash locked. Head to NetSuite.com slash locked for a special one-of-the-kind financing offer on the number one financial system to grow businesses. That is NetSuite.com slash locked. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, as we're wrapping up today's episode of Locked On HBCU, I am quietly dancing in my chair as I'm listening to the music. And now that the music is off, I want to talk to you guys about the CIAA tournament because this is their first tournament in 70 years. Yes, you heard me right. 70, 7-0, not 7, not 17, 7 0, 70. That's a long time. Like, that's almost as long as Captain America was frozen, right? So. When you put it all in that kind of frame, it's like, gosh, the last time we had a CIAA tournament for basketball, it was the 50s. So now you kind of have to make it special, and that's exactly what the conference is doing. This is a spectacle. This is not just a tournament. This is a spectacle, and it's everything that it deserves because you're going to have a lot of events, right? You have to make it special. You have to. So you're going to have events such as Fan Fest, Education Day, Career Expo. You're going to have those things. Those are events that you know are going to happen, right? And they're going to be fe- featured during the tournament week. But then you have other things that you don't typically associate with a, with a basketball tournament. That's community engagement. You might see those with Super Saturday, step shows. Who don't like a nice step show, especially if you had an HBCU? You know what I mean? Not, not them step shows that... RG3 was talking about at Baylor during the Celebration Bowl. Not not those step shows. I'm talking about the step shows at these HBCs. Who can't enjoy those, right? And then you have your concerts. And the concerts is what I really want to hone in on because all those things are great. I'm a music lover. So that's what gains my eye. That's what gains my attention. So when I look at it and I say, okay, community engagement, Super Saturday step shows, those are not. Concerts? Oh, now who's going to be there? Because who says... That homecoming is the only time that an artist get to come on on campuses. I don't say that. Did you say that? The CIA for sure didn't say that because they're inviting some legends on. And I want to read the people they have because the CIAA has invited Big Daddy Kane, Yo-Yo, Moni Love, Rakim, Michelle, And then earlier they invited DJ Jassy Jeff and DJ Cool. So you got some DJs who can really hold it down. And if you really notice, they're in a real throwback thing. So I would be interested to see when are these performances going to take place. Because it's not probably going to be to get the kids. And look, I mean absolutely no disrespect. Especially to the 18th letter. You know what I'm saying? God didn't see. Look, my pops had me listening to Rakim when I was young. 
So please believe, I mean no disrespect, right? Because when I was young listening to Rakim, I'm like, man, this is crazy. But everybody ain't listen to that. Everybody ain't listen to I ain't, I ain't no joke. Everybody ain't listen to, to Microphone Fiend. You know what I'm saying? MC means move the crowd. Like, that That just isn't going to hit. And it's crazy because I was listening to the uh to this podcast. I don't feel like giving no free promotion, even though they're a big podcast. Um, I was listening to this podcast today, and they were talking about Jay-Z and the verses. And they were talking about the different in era, the difference in eras and just how kids may not recognize his records the same way they will recognize from an artist of lower stature, but in a closer age range. And that's what they were discussing. I think you might run into that same problem with Rakim. So I think that when you look at Big Daddy Kane, Rakim, Jazzy Jeff, DJ Cool, Michelet, Yo-Yo, Moni Love, when you look at all of those people, you're kind of looking at drawing attention to your alumni, right? Those are the people coming in. These artists, these 90s artists. So you know what I mean? A lot of the kids... When you look at it, it's 2022 right now. A senior, maybe 21, 22. They weren't even born in the 90s. Like you're getting to the point where 90s kids who are still in, who are in college. Well, you've been in there four or five plus years or maybe you took a year off. But the people who came straight from high school and went straight from high school to college. They weren't even born around this time, you know. So this is what I would like. I would like because not, in a, you know, not no disrespect to the legends, but this is what I would love. I want some Southern artists on there. Cause look, at the end of the day, you got New York, you got California, you even got Moni Love coming from across the pond. Can we get some Southern artists in here though? Can we get somebody from Atlanta, somebody from Louisiana, somebody from Texas? Can we get somebody like that? Look, you, if you wanted to have a legend, you could have brought Bun B up there, right? You could have. I don't know. Like I don't know who you're gonna get that's gonna get the kids in. I don't know because Ludacris might be a little bit before them. I don't, you know, that generation. It might be a little bit before them, you know. But I wouldn't mind seeing me some ludicrous up there. Give me some, you know what I'm saying? That's just, I'm just throwing people out there. So who would you guys like to see perform at the CIAA tournament? That's what I want to know because I'm naming people. I would like to see, I would like to see Luda. I'd like to see Bun. Um, I, he ain't from the South, but give me Nelly, you know. G give me give me some people. I'm trying to think because I know they probably spend a, a, a nice amount of money on the people they have right now so getting somebody who's like super hot right now probably isn't going to happen but you know what try to get try to get uh two chains i only said two chains because two chains came to my school and it was at a point when he wasn't at his highest it was right before uh pretty girls love trap music dropped try to get two chains two chains somebody good for this this that's a perfect mix i think you can get two chains and everybody loves two i think everybody loves two chains i think so but yeah, there we go. I'm going Luda, Bun, um, Two Chains, Chameleonaire. Yeah, I'm throwing Chameleonaire in there because I feel like you should. And you know what? If you really want to pop it off, and this is how I'm gonna end it off. If you really want to pop it off and just shut everything down, go get Isaiah Rashad. I'm gonna leave it at that. Isaiah Rashad. He just dropped the house is burning. Album was fire. Album was phenomenal. If you really want to shut it down, go get you Isaiah Rashad. You know, no disrespect. You know what I'm saying? You can keep Rakim on there. You can keep Big Daddy Kane on there. I ain't going to disrespect it. Matter of fact, just keep the 18th letter. Bring my guy Isaiah Rashad on the stage and watch it get shut down. You know what I'm saying? Have that be for the young kids. You know what I'm saying? Isaiah Rashad and Chameleon. Let them line it up. Those are my two guys. I will, I will pay right now. I will do the Big Games promotion right now if they tell me that Isaiah Rashad and Chameleon were there. <laughs>
because those are my guys and I'm not kidding. Some people think I say I love comedian now. I'm joking. I am dead serious. If I hear comedian there is there, I'm booking the flight to Maryland right now. ASAP. Okay. But I appreciate y'all for moving ASAP and listening to Locked On HBCU. As soon as you guys get that notification or you wake up in the morning on your drive, whatever you're doing, I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every day. And tomorrow, we're going to be catching up on some of the best action in HBCU basketball. So make sure you tune in because it should be a busy day. We got a lot of conferences, a lot of games that we can be able to choose from. I'm looking forward to going over it with all of you guys. And for your second listen of the day, Make sure you're checking out Locked On Bets. You got your boy Q, Lee Sterling, expert analysis, insight, everything that you need to add a couple more dollars to your pocket, and it's free and available on all platforms. So, till the next time we hear each other, family, take care, stay blessed. Peace.